Hello, my name is David Johnson, and welcome to the Art of Covid chat. We're talking with artists who work in the Fens region about the work and the challenges they face during the pandemic of 2020 and 21. We're now actually, as we're recording, we're actually at the anniversary of the first lockdown. So it's, it's, it's uh, surprising how much has changed in the last 12 months. Today we have two artists, uh, one from the March area and one from Great Yarmouth area. So please welcome Marion Saville and Genevieve Rudd. Uh, thank you for joining us today. And today's artists have a background in mixed media art. Uh, so we would just like you to introduce yourself. So Marion, would you like to say a bit about yourself? I would. Hello, everyone. Um, yeah, I'm Marion. I'm based in March in Finland. Um, and I am a mixed media artist, um, which covers all sorts of areas, really. Um, and I predominantly work with recycled materials uh, in most of my work. I always have loads of projects on the go. I just flip between all sorts of different things, which is just how I work, really. Um, currently, though, I'm in the middle of something called the 100 Day Project, uh, which is a global project um, that encourages artists and creatives to um, do something every day for 100 days. And I'm currently doing um, 100 Days of Doodads, which is a bit mad, but that's my very personal hashtag. I tell you to have a creative creative sort of original hashtag basically i'm just making um sort of touchstones amulets that 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 was the thinking behind it um most of them hang so they they're sort of dingly dangly things really that was a really bad explanation of it but i am in the middle of that um current project um yeah but alongside lots of other stuff as well currently obsessed with concertina sketchbooks i do a lot of work in in those as well uh, and inspiration um probably the artist that's had the most influence on my approach and my ethos and uh, how i just how i'd create really is joseph cornell who's an american assemblage and collage artist um, I've always loved his work and I find his, just his process, uh, it's just all so fascinating and inspiring. Um, outside of him, I have, oh, just everything <laughs> is inspiring. I have loads of inspirations, really. The nature of the materials I use is always inspiring, you know, figuring out ways to use recycled stuff creatively and you know give it a use when it might have ended up in landfill or whatever um so the nature of the materials is quite inspiring but yeah nature texture pattern color it could be anything it could be a word or a line in a song or yeah lots of inspiration okay over to you genevieve tell us a bit about yourself um yeah so my name's genevieve rudd and i'm an artist based in great yarmouth which is um on the norfolk coast it's I feel very lucky to be able to work as an artist in my hometown. I think my relationship with the with the town, I think, influences my my work because um, I predominantly work as a community participatory artist. So the work that I do is a lot about the relationship that I have with groups and with people. I do have my own arts practice that I explore on my own as well. So my training was in in art photography, and I tend to use um, cameraless techniques such as anthotype or cyanotype um, and I like to combine that with um, maybe going on a walk and finding materials um, using plants or growing plants in my garden so then using my arts practice 
Um, sometimes I combine it with things like textiles and um, yeah, like Marion said, you know, inspired by colour and texture and nature and lots of different things. I think um, there's lots of things that influence um, influences my practice. I like to um, work outside. So I'm speaking today from the room that I call my workspace because I don't really call it my studio, although it probably technically is. It's like the back bedroom in my house. But actually, I'd say that my garden is probably more of my studio because that's where I spend more time making art. So, um, you know, I can kind of get messy out there and make prints with mud and plants and <laughs> and all of that. And um, and in terms of the kind of people that inspire my practice, I, I, I work a lot with people who wouldn't necessarily identify themselves as artists. Um, and I find that really refreshing and really inspiring to see um, kind of alternative approaches and when people can kind of build their confidence, you know, when they wouldn't define themselves as an artist. I think that they can be like, you know, that can be really fantastic and really eye opening and, um, you know, really great to kind of be around. Yeah. Lots of creative people in lots of different, different ways. Are your inspirations? Yeah. Um, in terms of a kind of favorite artist, if that's what you're thinking, David, I would find it really, really, really hard to choose. I think, I think I'm so kind of eclectic that I would find it really hard to kind of pinpoint on, on one person. I'm just like a kind of a, you know, a bit of a sponge for, you know, whatever, you know, I like yeah. listening to the, you know, radio, I like the telly and I like to take in, you know, things that are just around me in life. And I think, you know, that can be kind of just as inspiring as stuff in a gallery or museum. Yeah. I mean, you're talking about influences, uh, just a, a quote that I saw earlier, and it was every every child is an artist. Uh, the problem is to how to remain an artist when one grows up. It's from Pablo Picasso, and it's it's quite it's very apt. I personally was quite artistic as a as a child, grew up and moved away from the field of arts into a military lifestyle, which sort of beats beats the art out of you you know it really sort of you you have to be focused and you do everything by numbers and you you don't have chance to think having left that world and come back to to the arts field it's trying to teach myself back how to be an artist and how to be a childian and how to 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 free think and and explore things and it's it's been quite a challenge is that something that you've struggled to keep i mean i i've always felt um I think growing up as an only child, I was kind of left to just kind of get on with whatever I wanted to do. <laughs> so I, I felt quite lucky in that, you know, in that sense, I probably um, maintained a kind of creative habit, if you like. And I, I didn't choose to do art at school as a subject because I always felt like, well, I'm doing it at home anyway. Like yeah. I just, you can imagine what I was like as a child. I was doing it. I'm doing it at home anyway. Why do I need to come here and do it? So, <laughs> <laughs> so for me, I've always just kind of pursued things in my, in my own kind of merry way and, and quite happy to get on with it. But I think, I think it is a, it is a confidence and it is about that kind of routine and habit. And I think, you know, I really appreciate that, you know, cause I work with people who, you know, w wouldn't call themselves artists, you know, that it does take a lot of guts to kind of take step into out of your comfort zone and kind of make something that's out in the world. That is a really big thing. And I, you know, I don't kind of underestimate how much confidence that that takes. What about yourself, Mary? I agree as well. I think, 
Yeah, I think um, I've come across loads of people over the years in my um, art journaling workshops. Uh, well, any workshop, really, but it seems to be uh, quite often in art journaling workshops. And the number of stories you hear about, um, I don't know why art journaling appeals to women more than men, to be fair, but it's mostly women. I have had a few mm. chaps, but a lot of women will tell you that they had, um, had the sort of creativity knocked out of them at school because they couldn't draw. Yeah. And it's, you know, because back in the day, I mean, obviously I'm a lot older than Genevieve, but back in the day, um, to do our O-level, um, as it was in my day, if you couldn't really draw and paint, then, you know, you were kind of passed over. So I I was, wasn't was an only child. I had a brother, but my older brother was, um, he was the artistic one. Um and I couldn't draw. See, I would say I was, I'm creative, but I, you know, because I couldn't draw. No, 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 you can't do art. You've got to be, go and do all that academic stuff. And you come across that story so many times. And it's, and like when people get older and they come along to workshops like art journaling or collage, that sort of thing, they almost need permission for, you know, you need to give them permission yeah. to play, you know, bef- bef- and then once they grasp that, and they're often away then, and it's just. But it is. I mean, it's that's wonderful to see that you're that you're instrumental in helping someone start being creative again. Not because they want to be an artist, but because you know it's fun and therapeutic, and you know all of those things that art can be, especially at the moment. Um, but it's quite sad to to know that they've spent all those years in the wilderness, as it were, because they had that knocked out of them at school. Genevieve, you mentioned anth- cyanotype and is it anthotype? Do you want to sort of explain a yeah. little bit about, about them? Yeah, so um, cyanotype, um, people might know architects' blueprints, you know, so that was that was the kind of uh, one of the early uses, a kind of common usage of, of making blueprint um, cyanotype um, photography. Um, and then it was kind of explored as in more kind of creative ways. Um, so it's a technique um, invented by Sir John Herschel in, in 1842. And it's two um, iron salts that when mixed together in, in water, create a light sensitivity. And I, th- I like it because um, it's quite a, it can be quite a kind of instantaneous process um so i i've been kind of i've been exploring ways that i can make my arts practice more environmentally sustainable so for example in making like little switches so for example never using paper other than recycled paper or Mm -hmm. recycled cottons because you can do the the process on fabrics too um using making the solution in um rain collected rainwater rather than tap water so cut down water usage and washing prints in rainwater so i like that it can be kind of a, a connection to the you know to be a kind of recycled practice um, and also that it uses direct uv sunlight so i don't use a, a sun lamp or a, you know i i work directly with the sun so you know if the sun on that day is really bright we can get some really bright shadows really deep prussian blue color and if the sun is quite soft then it, the print will take longer and the, the color will be softer and i like that kind of interaction with the kind of weather and the elements um, and i also work in anthotype so that um for me has been growing plants from seed um, you know, in the spring and nurturing those plants over the summer, blending up those plants um, and then straining off that liquid. That liquid is then a photo, 
a light sensitive emulsion that can then go onto to paper and be left out in the sun with you know pressed pressed flowers pressed leaves and then once that print fades because it it does fade it's not a, not a fixed photographic yeah. process um i can then shred it up compost it and then you know hopefully it'll be making a print um the next year and so so for me that that kind of photographic techniques that really kind of um support me to kind of feel more connected to to the world around me the natural world working outside interacting with the weather the weather interacting with the prints and working with plants because i love plants and gardening that you know that all feels like it kind of encompasses lots of parts of the things that i love you know so i love you know i love to do it um so yeah it builds in lots of my interests all it all in one one go <laughs> is that something you've tried marion no, I, I was just saying to Genevieve when we weren't recording that I'd really like to have a go at cyanotype. Um, last year, uh, during lockdown, I was—I just decided I was going to do loads of stuff that I've never done before. So I, I had a really um, keen interest in eco-printing and eco-dyeing. So using plants, you know, leaves, flowers, bark, grasses, all sorts of stuff to sort of eco-print or, or dye. Um, and I was making my own inks and stuff like that, which I, I too, am trying to um, sort of make my practice more environmentally friendly. I'm I'm vegan. I've been vegan nearly four years now, and I want to make my practice more in line with my vegan sort of values and beliefs. Yeah. So um, I'm yes, and I was really enjoying the um, eco dyeing and printing. Just and it's that whole like Genevieve said, it's that whole being in the outdoors, and you know I was able to most most of what i used i used from our garden um but fortunately for us we live right next door to a nature reserve and a, and a cycle path so and they've got lots of lovely trees um so i was able to collect oak leaves and you know yeah. all sorts of um other stuff that's not in our garden as well so it was a real kind of local you know mm green lovely part of new practice for me to have a go at and i have i have actually bought some cyanotype chemicals but i haven't used them yet but, but they, and they are vegan and they're non-toxic as well aren't they um the cyanotype um chemicals yeah yeah so, so. photography tech like a lot of traditional photography techniques are you know traditionally very toxic and you'd have to mm. be very careful about how you're disposing it and cyanotype is is one of the the kind of better ones you know it's an iron salt so it's more you know like an element and you can um dispose of it safer and then anthotype is like the kind of top premium kind of definitely you know just using plants um, the most environmentally sustainable so it's kind of a yeah i think they're a good couple of techniques to have a play with do you have stuff around your garden like me, Genevieve? I've got um, I've got a jar of rusty stuff. Yes, so Because yes. I last <laughs> when I was doing sort of eco dyeing, I was I was sort of using vinegar and rusty iron water and you know all sorts of <laughs> different things. There's little pots all around the garden of things. And my husband's like, "Do we need this? Yes, yes, we do need that. It's very important." <laughs> yeah, but if he had his way, he'd chuck it all away. I think. But yeah. Yeah. I lo- and I love that of, whole. Yeah. Constant Sorry. experiments on the go. <laughs> yeah, and I love that whole sort of evolution as well. You never know what you're going to get as a print when mm. when it comes out the pan, out the dye bath, and and then you don't know how it might evolve in sunlight. Or you know, I, just, I love I love work that changes and evolves, and you know, yeah, I, I agree. And I think that, that I think for me that gives me 
creative confidence to then share, you know, when I'm working with people, because it's that, you know, you're, you're kind of making always making um, kind of creative risks. You never know where it's going to go. And I think mm. for me that I think that I feel I find that quite nurturing because it's kind of, you know, you're um, you're in a kind of safe environment where you can take risks. And I think that can build your confidence and that kind of boost you like outside of that, yeah. you know, when you're doing your art. And I think it has a real ripple effect to kind of, um, you know, really embrace the unknown, you know, embrace the kind of seasonality of things, you know, things might decay, things might go wrong and that's all fine. And you can kind of practice yeah. that in your art. And then I think it kind of ripples out into your, into your life. I think a little I bit. Think so too. Yeah, <laughs> I, agree. I think part of my obsession with Constantina sketchbooks currently is, is that whole, um, it's, it's, it's always all been about the process for me. I almost like the process more than I like sort of trying to turn that into final pieces of work sort of stuff but with a Constantina sketchbook for example last year in in lockdown during August I did a I think it was 80 page um Constantina sketchbook double-sided and I just and I just decided that it was going to be August and I would throw into it whatever I do whatever I played with whatever I tried out and it's just it is really freeing and nurturing you're right it is nurturing you've got and now I look back on it and I've got that whole month's narrative it really you know in a sort of compact thing <laughs> it's just yeah but playing and you know it's very similar to my ethos with art journaling when I teach art journaling workshops and stuff I always say there's no rules you know you can't do it wrong there's no rights and wrongs there's no rules you can use what you like do what you like you know be, because it's you know it's that creative freedom that I want to give to people and that sort of you know mm -hmm. how they can grow that and nurture themselves and you know be creative and just uh, play. How do, how do you find then since the lockdown accessing recycled materials? If you've not got well, what you need within your house, have you have you struggled to actually get hold of materials? Well, I one of the many things I'm doing currently at the back end of the summer last year, I decided that for September I was going to not buy any new art materials. Um, and I've carried that on. I haven't bought any art materials since the beginning of September last year because I have so much stuff already, um, you know, in my studio and around my house. And I cast in my mind back to early lockdown when we did the series of art journey videos for CPP Marketplace. Um, they were really keen. And, it, and I also was really keen that we made it so accessible for people that didn't have, you know, they might not have paint, they might not have particular pens or posh watercolour pencils or, you know, anything like that. So we worked really hard to make sure that anyone could access the arts. And, and you know, if you had a newspaper or a magazine or, you know, um, the kids' crayons out of the toy box and, you know, to, to make it that much more accessible. So I haven't had any problems at all because I'm trying really hard as also as part of my environmental greening of my practice to use what I've got Um and yeah, it's, uh, I have got a lot of stuff, but I, but I think, you know, even if you're just starting out on a creative route, you've got, you know, you've got food coloring in the kitchen, you know, you, you can go out in the garden and get leaves to, to sort of pound on your page and make color that way. And it's, there's, there's, I, I really think you can go a long way with, you know, homemade 
what you've got using what you've got around you i've, I've made glue over this year because i've run out of glue sticks now which aren't very nice environmentally speaking because they're all plastic obviously yeah so yeah i've been making my own glue trying different recipes and stuff and it's yeah but i don't i i, I haven't trouble don't know whether you have genevieve finding materials have you no, I mean, it's probably the same as you, Marion. I think it's just the stuff that you've already got or the stuff that's in your kitchen, in your garden, that you find on a walk. You know, I, I, there's been no shortage of kind of junk mail coming through <laughs> through the door despite, yeah. you know, the circumstance <laughs> we're in. So there's this constant supply of paper just sort of coming through the door. Yeah. So, you know, there is, there is, I think it's a kind of, I guess... You know, you're probably the same with your with your workshops, Marion. It's kind of supporting people to have the confidence to see the, what they already have around them that they might think they might might not see as art materials, but could be mm. used for you know creative yeah, application. Yeah, and I yeah. think you know I, I'm the same as I haven't you know um, yeah trying to kind of not just buy stuff because I think oh that that's nice and actually think well do I need it you know is it just another bit of plastic is it going to be come through the door wrapped in plastic actually could I be a bit more imaginative and use what I've already got or you know change the use of something and I think that that can feel more fun actually that can be a bit more um, experimentation you know it does make you be more inventive doesn't it and Mm. innovative and you know well I haven't got any of this anymore what can I do to make it or use something else instead of it yeah. I love that whole sort of you know making do amend almost really coming up with a solution to a material you haven't got I'm sure it wouldn't work for sort of fine artists that are painting in oils and stuff but uh, <laughs> yeah for my kind of work it works really well just, really just talking about um, recycling over over the years um, have you noticed a difference in the type of materials that are then classed as recycled um, has changed over the years that you can then start introducing towards your your pieces of art? Uh, I, yeah, there's materials I don't use now that I used to use because I know more about um, their sort of makeup. And one of the, uh, in the early days of my, um, sort of assemblage work which I don't do as much of now but I did a whole series of um, hanging outdoor hanging pieces uh, made from videotape yeah. and they went down a storm they were really popular they looked great and I thought oh I'm doing a great job here look I'm recycling this videotape <laughs> but I hadn't really factored in that um, videotape degrades over time so you know you're i'm i was busy some of some videotape has a it's metallic and it has um sort of metal that will flake off um, yeah once it's like an iron iron oxide yeah and yeah it's and and then of course um bits of videotape would come off and get hooked in the trees and then i was sort of fretting about birds and animals that might potentially get caught up in it so there's stuff i I would never use videotape outside now i do still use it not very often now but i tend to stretch it and use it as a as a sort of twine as a sort of string or um rather than use it in its form so in that way i think things that i i do think more carefully about the sort of things that i would use in the environment because i wouldn't you know i don't want to add um anything (laughs) to the environment that that doesn't want to be there really so in that sense it's changed i don't know that in terms of 
different materials i suppose there's an awful lot of plastic um going on yeah now um and i, I try and avoid that but it you know uh <laughs> single-use plastic is is a massive problem as i'm sure you both know so and i i don't use masses of plastic but um I don't know so that's a tough one really tough question really yeah i mean you've also got the shift towards um in a, in a perfect world when everyone recycles or no waste is produced in say 2050 when we're supposed to go all carbon neutral and is there a potential that there would be no byproducts produced anyway and you would then have mixed media arts would then be resorting to finding other <laughs> other forms i think i've got enough stuff to keep me going till 2050 anyway so <laughs> i don't think there are problems with me yeah i think i i i don't i like for example in the past like i might have been uh, maybe commissioned to do a recycled art project you know bring a plastic bottle upcycle it into something i think in terms of the kind of changes that I've been making in my own life that that would probably wouldn't sit very well with me now I probably would decline because I think well actually I don't want to that feels like a reason to buy plastic bottles to use them for something to turn them into stick stuff on them that meant that means that they can't be recycled so it kind of it, it can create a problem and I think that there's that sometimes that kind of recycled art can sometimes you know I, I've kind of been reflecting and developing the my own practice you know really kind of looking in and seeing well reviewing what I do because it doesn't always sit right you know maybe what would have been done a few years ago and would have thought to been a good thing you know let's use old crisp packets let's use you know that actually I kind of think well I think we need to move away from that and so you know as an artist I try not to um go in that direction and think well you know like i said about the kind of you know junk mail coming through the door well that that's paper and so you know i i don't really have much <laughs> choice of the the free newspaper coming through the door so let's use that or you know what's already sitting in my in my garden what's growing in my garden you know let, or you know anyone else's garden you know or in their park or, or you know places like that and trying to use things that um, once you've made your art product with them, you could potentially um, compost them, you know, because recycling is sometimes not a very um, a very positive system because lots of our things that we put in our recycle bin then end up being maybe incarcerated, you know, burnt or, mm. you know, it's not always the kind of best solution, I think, to the problem. And I don't want to try, I don't want to kind of input into that. So I'm trying to... Re- reflect and and improve the way i work with materials Um, i think i did a um a project in a school uh with it was a collaborative thing with another artist and he brought along all sorts of plastic bottles and just all sorts of materials that were brilliant for the project i mean it was it was all around the um un global goals you know sustainable goals and they chose the ocean one particularly and did a a piece of theatre based around that but um 
Oh, I don't. I just the whole thing of what happens to this stuff after because it had been the bottles had been painted and stuff. They can't go yes. and recycling, so they'll end up in landfill. So you know we've spent time um, sort of creating this project, and but then you've created another beast, haven't you? Really? Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I, I recycling know. isn't the answer. It's but you know buying less stuff and having less single use plastic in the world is you know is the answer. Yeah. Recycling is good to a point because it's already in the world. But like you say, people going out and buying bottles of Coke and stuff so they could use the bottles for a kids' project that then ultimately is going to end up in landfill. Not good. So yeah, I it's think a, it's a tougher one. And I think it's I've I found I don't know if that's the same with you, Marion. With you know, if you're you're vegan and you know I I sort of eat as many vegan meals as I can in the week. And I have to say, I do eat chocolate and sometimes have an egg. So I'm not vegan. <laughs> I can't, but I've been vegetarian since I was, uh, since I was a teenager. And, and I've found that the, the, the changes and reflections that I've made in my personal life, you know, and it, they kind of flow into my arts practice. And then when I'm thinking about yeah. that it kind of flows into my life, there's this kind of, you know, all kind of flows, <laughs> flows into each other. And then when you're working with people, yeah. you're kind of like reflecting on, and sharing and 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 it, it um, and it kind of you know your your kind of lifestyle evolves around these thoughts that we're making through our creative practice that so, you know that's something that i've found definitely it's um it's it's can be a bit of a minefield um can't it if you when you want to be more environmentally aware more more conscious of, of what you're putting out into the world and what you're you know what you're doing and your sort of everyday practices and then it it becomes that much harder you know when you look at art materials pens pencils paints a lot of them aren't aren't vegan you know they'll be tested on animals or they've got animal products in them and it, it's a complete minefield if you've got a conscience <laughs> um, yeah. it can be really it can be really problematic to you know i mean i want my practice to be vegan but i mean currently it isn't because um i'm still using up stuff that is either you know got animal products in or it's been tested on animals but i can't waste it because that's another issue mm -hmm. so um you know i'll be using up materials that i've got if i know they're not vegan i won't i would then not buy them um and it's the same with if i know something's not environmentally green or it's got a lot of chemicals in it or you know it's toxic in any way it's but it's an absolute minefield but i'm kind of, I'm kind of glad i'm in it because you know in my own tiny little way, I'm making a difference. So yeah, I think so. I think it's about like those. You know, you got to have kind of good, thoughtful intentions that you're, you know, being kind of mindful and alert, and you're tuning into, you know, what is happening in the world. And you know, I think you know, no individual could make that big change and suddenly make you know their their arts practice, you know, fully green just on their own because we're all in this system together but i think it is but the intent the good intention of ref being reflective and reviewing what you what you do i think is as good as anything else yeah absolutely this is the end of part one of the interview join us for the next podcast for the conclusion thank you for joining me david johnson and my guest today the art of covid chat podcast is a dmj imagery production working with the Fenland Films Initiative and commissioned by Marketplace, a creative people and places project celebrating creative communities across Fenland and West Suffolk. 
developed by Arts Council England and supported by National Lottery funding. For more details, visit cppmarketplace.co.uk. I hope you'll follow our podcast and we'll bring you more chat and news soon. Thank you for listening. Thank you.